0: I was invited by the the head office to go into the office and do some paid work to support my income, talking to other people about, you know, how good it is to be a franchisee. And everything was sort of going quite swimmingly until I was told that the only way, you know, I needed to be targeted to be paid for people to sign up for these franchisees. Tell them to pay for it on their credit card.
1: Hello, fellow risk takers, and welcome to my worst investment ever. Stories of loss to keep you winning. In our community, we know that to win in investing, you must take risk. But to win big, you've got to reduce it. To join our community, go to myworstinvestmentever.com and receive these five free benefits First, you get the risk reduction checklist I've created from the lessons I've learned from all of my guests. Second, you get my weekly email to help you increase your investment return. Third, you get a 25% discount on all A-Starts Academy courses. Fourth, you get access to our Facebook community to get to know guests and fellow listeners. And finally, you get my curated list of the top 10 episodes. Fellow risk takers... This is your worst podcast host, Andrew Stotts from A. Stotts Academy. And I'm here with featured guest Wendy Harris. Wendy, are you ready to rock?
0: Come on, let's get this conversation started.
1: <laughs> I know Wendy is definitely ready. So Wendy is making marketing conversations count. She's an outbound telephone sales trainer who gives businesses the confidence to talk to strangers and never cold call again. She's the author of the best selling book, Making Conversations Count How to Sell Over the Phone, and podcast host of the Making Conversations Count podcast. Wendy, take a minute and fill any further tidbits about your life.
0: Well, what can I tell you? I've always been a chatterbox. It's actually one of the endorsement skills that I encourage people to click on my LinkedIn profile. I don't know. I mean, WAG comes from. It's my initials from being Mm. a maiden name and being the chatterbox that was a kid and always having the dog follow me around that would do all my bidding, you know, and behave itself. And when it comes to running your own business, my goodness, what do you call yourself? Mm. And because I set tongs wagging was kind of one of the strap lines that I used in my early days. It just seemed appropriate to use wag. And I've grown up a little lately Mm -hmm. into a new brand of Making Conversations count, where I could probably say safely I've made over a million calls in my career.
1: Oh, my God. And you're only 36 right now. I can see. Yeah. Maybe even younger. Just that.
0: (laughs) And customs duty Mm. and anything
1: else that you want to tax
0: me for. Exactly.
1: (laughs) And just how I mean, tell us just a little bit about how you can make that many calls, and just a little bit about what you do in relation to calls and what you teach. Um,
0: it's not necessarily just a female thing, but I think women are particularly good at it because they're inquisitive, they ask lots of questions, you can have lots of fun, you know, drawing things out of people. But genuinely, it's because I'm just nosy. And if I'm picking up the phone to help somebody solve a problem that I know will solve it, then of course, it's just having a conversation. It's just reaching out and saying, look, how can I help you today? Mm. So it, it doesn't feel like hard work. It doesn't feel like you're being rejected because usually you're received very well if you've got the right mindset and approach.
1: You know, I, uh, I speak for probably a lot of my listeners that are, let's say, maybe they're, they're experts in their field or they're, they're, you know, focused in on their work that they're doing. And, you know, we want to reach out. We need to reach out to sell our products. You know, the world's not going to come to our homes and come to our offices and say, hey, well, we want to get your product. But yet it's hard. You know, I, I think about myself, you know, a part of the reason, you know, I'll tell you a little secret when you said, Part of the reason i started the podcast was to force myself to get on the phone to get on you know this zoom and and get on with new people i've never met and i just curious like you know what advice from all of your experience would you give i mean i wouldn't say that i'm a chatterbox or that i i'm nosy in that way or like talkative but i'm okay on the phone and i'm comfortable with my products and things like that but what what little bit of advice would you give myself and the listeners from your you know, millions of experience?
0: You've got to do your research. It's not just about picking up the phone and what you say in that first sentence. You really have to know who your audience is. Who is it that's going to actually want your stuff? Because let's face it, when you answer the phone and it's a sales call, most likely they haven't done their research. They haven't got a clue who you are or what sort of position you're in. And they literally try to give you verbal diarrhea about how wonderful they are before they've even asked you. So your perception of sales calls is like the ones that you receive. Mm. So it's about changing that up to... Making sure that the customer is first—that that they're the right people that you're talking to, because you know that that is going to be something of value to them—and yeah. build that relationship.
1: Hmm. Great. I mean, it makes me think about the calls. I get a lot of calls from people calling expats and saying, "I've got you know some my company you know helps with investments for expats," and I'm thinking to myself. I studied undergrad in finance. I did a CFA for Chartered Financial Analysts. I've been a financial analyst all my career. My name is all over the internet. I was a head of research, running teams of financial analysts for 10 years. And then I have a PhD in finance also. And I thought they couldn't find one of those things. And instead they start talking to me about investments. And I just always like, uh, I'm, nah, I make my own investment decisions, <laughs> but it just, it's just amazing.
0: In your brain, you're going, don't you know who I am? Yeah,
1: I, I was thinking, I, I had one person that said to me, it was a young lady who said, do you need any advice on, uh, you know, investing? And I said, I, are you asking for my advice or are you asking me for your advice? And she's like, I can give you advice. And I was like, I think we got it reversed here. But I think the, the point being, doing just a little bit of homework, goes beyond 90% of those sales calls that people probably get, maybe 95.
0: I mean, certainly LinkedIn, if I don't know about you and the listeners, but I get messages, DM messages I've connected. Somebody's in a similar Mm. space and I'm a big one for collaboration and partnership because I think that the more you know about people, the better you can help your customers and put them in touch with the right person for the Mm. right job, okay? So there's, there's my logic. And I will openly connect with somebody if I can see a synergy. And then all of a sudden I get this great big long DM where they're pitching to me and, it, and they're, try, they're saying, do you need more sales? You know, can we help you get more business? <laughs> and you're kind of like, hang on a minute. <laughs>
1: it's Read just this shotgun blast.
0: Yeah. So spray and pray doesn't work. So I would always use the analogy fish with a spear. Mm,
1: that's a good one. I like that. <laughs> you know, I did a little something when we first started talking today is I tried to find something interesting about you and where you live. And, and we had an interesting conversation, you know, and that's a good example. I didn't think about it in that way. I was just kind of curious. But, you know, for the listeners out there, I, you know, saw where the city that you lived in. So I thought, well, I'll search that city and see what goes on. And then I saw about this, this uh, Anglo-Saxon horde, you know, the Staffordshire horde. There was an archaeological find and I read it just a few lines about it. And then when we got on the phone, you know, we started talking about that. And then I learned more, you know, in the process. So in some ways, it's a lot like what you're saying, you know, use it as an opportunity to learn.
0: And this is it. It's um, I, I surprised myself that I knew so much about where I live because we've we've not well been able done. to go out recently. <laughs> But certainly it's it's those icebreakers, it's those conversation starters. It's, you know, if you're I'm like I'm a big swimmer, I get approached by people who love swimming and see those, see those posts that I do because we've got something in common already. We've got something to talk about. And it's where that conversation leads afterwards. So it's about thinking about who we all attract people like ourselves, you know, that when hmm. we talk about tribe. It's much the same when you're doing business. You will surround yourself with people that you want to surround yourself with that make you feel good and that you make them feel good. It's got to be that kind of win-win. So it's it's much the same with conversations, you know. And I think the biggest, the biggest piece of advice I could give to people is that when people say gatekeeper, please drop that term. Mm. They are going to be your best representative.
1: Advocate.
0: <laughs> exactly. You know, I call them my auntie Dorises or my auntie Gladyss because if you're nice to them and you you know explain your motives in a friendly and approachable way, they will likely find out what you need to know. Mm. They will help you because that's ultimately their job. Their job is to protect their boss. But if they judge that actually you sound trustworthy, you've done everything that you've said that you're going to do and actually you know that they know that it's something that that you will help their boss it puts them in a good light then you you they will help you get through or they will help you get back in touch at the right time
1: that's i mean so fish with a spear number 1 number 2 is flip the script on gatekeepers and consider them you know your, your aunties and yeah. your yeah, your advocates and you know, when you're talking on the phone, let's say to to that advocate, and you're you know you get you're getting along, you've got some good, maybe you've got something in common, you found it. Switching to kind of selling or pitching, it's not that difficult. I mean, they they're expecting you're going to get to it and say you know, and you say the reason why I'm calling is because I think I have something that could really benefit you know your boss and and da 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 da, and I feel like that kind of switch is understandable. But when I think about LinkedIn and I think about making that connection, let's say someone sees a post about swimming and then they connect and then da 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 da. But then there's a point where you you're gonna make a switch and say, look, I've got some great stuff that you may be interested in. It's harder to make that switch to me on that LinkedIn message or in any type of message. But I'm just curious about, you know, am I thinking about this in the wrong way or what what are your thoughts about it?
0: I think that as soon as you start to have some tennis action on mm. messaging, it's really important to notice that that tennis match is happening and to go, right, okay, at this point, it'd be a really good idea. And this is what you say to them, it would be a really good idea if we just carry this conversation on it and have in the real world, you mm. fancy grabbing a coffee over a Zoom or a chat, and once I've said yes, then you can say, well, I've got a diary link. Let me send you that. And then you can book in whenever is convenient for you. So it doesn't feel like you're you're sort of pushing yourself on them. Yeah. But certainly this is where I say to people, you'll never cold call again. If you use a blend of connecting with the right people on LinkedIn, because you can do your research, you can check them out and you can start that conversation online and move it into a real world Situation where you started Mm. to build that relationship and you haven't pushed yourself on them.
1: So for the listeners out there, you know, I mean, I'll I'll just explain, you know, my feeling. Part of the reason why I've reached out to Wendy and other people like her is because I want to improve myself in the area of sales. I want to improve myself in in a lot of different areas. And so I invite guests that I think are experts in their area. And I invite a lot of different people. But one of the things that I've I've noticed about that is that if I was to call Wendy, if I was to call you and say, you know, I want to introduce myself and tell you about some of the things that I have and this and that, you know, it's just going to be hard to get that time. But when I call to say, hey, why don't we do a podcast episode together? It's a time of mutual sharing and we get to know each other. And I think that that... That kind of flipped the script for me, and I've built a lot more deeper connections, friendships, networks, and, you know, business partners throughout that, you know, process. So for the listener out there, I think it's not all about just sending out emails. What Wendy's talked about is getting people on a Zoom call and that face-to-face, you know, and getting them to coffee.
0: Yesterday, in fact, I was having a chat with a lady who said she never cold calls. And I said, well, do you need to? It was a simple question. And she said, Hmm. well, I could do with getting in touch with my old clients. And I said, well, that's not even a cold call. They know you. So, and you're not doing that? And she was like, no. And I said, so how do you stay in touch with people for them to come back to you? And she said, well, I send them an email, but I'm not quite sure what to say. And I said, well, I don't condone this, but... I would say that your email has to be in the tone of voice that you would have if you were having a conversation, whether that be on the phone or in face-to-face at a networking event. You should be yourself in all places. Mm. I said, but just think about this. And she went, what? And I went, The time it takes you to write the email, you could have rung them. And even if they didn't answer, you could have left a message setting out your intention.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: And she went, and I let me know how you get on. (laughs) So I challenged her to do that and we'll see what happens. But I think, you know, what is there to lose by not doing it? You're not going to bring that customer back into the fold.
1: Mm -hmm. So let's let's make this real for our listeners. You know, maybe we've got a little Wendy Harris challenge for everybody out there to think about who is that past client, past friend, past whatever, that, you know, a couple of them, one of them that you think, you know, if I, if I would just pick up the phone, I can reconnect and maybe I'll get business or whatever. Find that person and then pick up the phone.
0: I would say my book, I challenge everybody to find 10. All right. And, and do 10 every time, because then you've got a measure. You can test and measure. So start with those past clients that you have that you've lost touch with. Get a list of 10. You only need an hour to do this. If it takes you longer, it's because you've actually had a conversation with somebody. (laughs) So, you know, if it takes two, it's still good. Right. So just leave them a message. Just, you know, the reason that that I gave to the lady yesterday, the example was it's Mental Health Awareness Week so because of the the work that she does with laughter meditation Mm. right it was right come i just wanted to reach out i haven't done masses of posts on social media about mental health awareness week everybody's doing that so i wanted to reach out personally make sure that you're doing okay and let you know about the next classes that i've got coming up Get in touch. It'd be great to hear from you. You can leave that kind of message with somebody. And how are you going to make them feel that you have singled them out to reach out personally, make sure that they're okay. That's the first thing that they're going to hear. Mm. Then they're going to remember how you made them feel the last time you worked together. That should be a big enough call to action for them to check it out.
1: Yep. Well, I've learned a lot already and I appreciate it. And I think for the listeners out there, we've got a good challenge, you know, find 10 people that we want to connect with and sit down and make those calls and reconnect. And uh, yeah, awesome. Well, the next challenge, Andrew, just
0: quickly, because,
1: you know, it's about cold
0: calling and it's about talking to strangers is what I do. Find those 10 people that you really want to do business with. Ring and introduce yourself as to where you're from. And say, the reason that I'm calling is I want to know how you do this already.
1: Hmm. It's as
0: simple as that. I just want to know how you do this already. And if you can be cheeky, because I'm yep. cheeky, I would say, because I'm not going to tell you how fabulous I am until I know how you do things.
1: <laughs> you know, you can
0: be that cheeky. Yeah. And then compare, see what works and keep doing it.
1: Mm. That. uh it's so, so simple, you know, that's what's so great about it. It's simple and it's a great challenge. So I think for all of us, let's take that challenge. Well, now I have a challenge for you. Okay. Now it's time to share your worst investment ever. And since no one ever goes into their worst investment thinking it will be, tell us a bit about the circumstances leading up to it and then tell us your story.
0: Okay, it's 2004. I'm leading a team of ladies that are calling out constantly, booking appointments and doing quotes for in the telecommunications industry. I'd been headhunted across to this company and I get there and I see that the staff that are already in place are talking to exactly the same people as I was in my old position and deals were being done and commission was not being paid to the people that were originally making the appointments, namely me. Mm. So my trust went completely out of the window and I wanted to do something else. And I had been let down previously in other jobs. So I persuaded my husband actually. So it wasn't even my money, which kind of makes it worse. My husband gave me a good few thousand pounds to invest in a franchise. Mm-hmm. Now, not all franchises are a bad idea. I would just say that you've got to do your homework, which is what I just said at the beginning. That's a lesson yep. learned. Yep. And I I set off on this path to run my own business with the support of head office and the experience of the other people doing the same thing in their area and everything was hunky dory. And I was invited by the the head office to go into the office and do some paid work to support my income, talking to other people about, you know, how good it is to be a franchisee and everything was sort of going quite swimmingly until I was told that the only way, you know, I needed to be targeted to be paid for people to sign up for these franchisees, tell them to pay for it on their credit card. And it was kind of at that point, really, that alarm bells started to ring for me. That the sales tactics were, let's say, not above board. They were selling on fear that how I was making my franchise successful and bringing me an income and sharing that with others was not really doing me any favors it was just a time suck and then I got slapped with a brand new franchise agreement that went from like a four or five page document to a 50 page document and then that meant that I couldn't blow my nose without permission Mm. so it was no longer my own business so that was my worst ever investment Mm. however all roads are walked or (laughs) staggered upon aren't they for a reason and through that whole you know seriously stressful 12 18 months of my life I hooked up with quite a few other franchisees. People got to understand what I'd done in my career in terms of Mm. picking up the phone, training, managing teams. And I was introduced to a lady called Lisa who ran her own telemarketing company. And I began to work for her until such a point that she said, why don't you just do this yourself in your own area, right? And it suddenly dawned on me, a conversation I had a couple of days ago, that that journey, I've always thanked Lisa for that journey. Because, you know, one door opens as another one closes. And that was really where WAG was born Mm. in 2005. You know, trying to get out of a, well, I was just locked out of my franchise. Lost the money that was invested. It put tremendous pressure on me and my husband because it was, his money and all I was doing whilst it was successful all I was doing was replacing my income not growing it to a point where there was a pot of money for me to say here have this back and then I had to start all over again but what dawned on me a couple of days ago was that in actual fact the reason that I went for a franchise was because I didn't trust myself enough To think that I had all of the skills and tools to be able to run a business on my own. Mm. When in actual fact, the realisation when I got there was that I was more than capable of doing that if you just surround yourself with the right people.
1: So how would you describe the lessons that you learned from that?
0: Oh, gosh, I kicked myself up and down the street because the one thing that I've always, always done is ask loads and loads of questions. And I took so much of it on face value because I was, I wouldn't say desperate. I was just, I really wanted it to work. I told myself that this was going to work. This was a business in a box. So taking it on face value, not asking enough questions, not doing my homework with other Franchises. Not talking to the other people that had bought franchises. There's a couple of people that I did speak to that were franchisees were carefully selected. I should have dug deeper
1: mm. for the
0: ones that you know weren't being pushed forward as the people to speak to about their experience. Right. Yep. And it's about, I suppose, digging through to that gold seam where you get past perception.
1: Mm. Yep. Maybe I'll share a few things that I take away. I've been writing down stuff as you've been going. You know, the first thing I wrote down is, you know, you said that they were selling using kind of fear tactics. And then I wrote down fear sells, you know, like it's such a, you know, and in fact, you know, the the current environment in the whole world is full of fear. People are willing to accept things way beyond what they would ever accept if fear levels are high. So I think that that's, you know, I think we have to accept that fear sells, but then we have to understand what's our ethical, you know, obligation when we're selling our products and selling our services to to not use that as a tactic.
0: Yeah. What values? The Once I was in situ in head office and seeing the figurehead of the franchise, it was very apparent that Everybody else had to do the sales, and she just wanted to be, you know, glorified mm. in the magazines as this wonderful, you know, entrepreneur that was giving all these opportunities to, to families to work from home, work the hours that they want. And it's that, it that doesn't exist. Mm. Yep. You know, the first couple of years of any business, and th- this is the other shocker, it wasn't my first business. I'd run a business in a partnership way, way, way back. I mean, we're we're going 23, 24 years ago. And I was the sales and the other partner. She did all the accounts and admin and back office stuff. But as a team, we worked really, really well. And the only reason that that that, that dissolved was that I moved away. I moved area. It was before technology could really keep us together from anywhere. And the business carried on trading without me. I just stepped out of that. So it didn't fail. I just left and went and did something else. Yep. So, you know, this is actually business number three, 16 years. Yep. I think those past lessons <laughs> yep. are what have sort of set me up for success two recessions and a pandemic.
1: <laughs> yeah. Well, the other thing, I think to me, the crux of your story is this challenge of when we, really want something to work, we put aside our kind of due diligence, we give people the benefit of the doubt. And I think what I take away, my other takeaway that I wrote down is that, you know, that's the time that we need to be vigilant, you know, because that's the time that we're most vulnerable. And that challenge is, how do you do that? And I I really want to roll into the next question, which will allow you to answer that. And that is, based on what you learned from this story and what you continue to learn, what one action would you recommend our listeners take to avoid suffering the same fate when they, they come across the same type of situation?
0: Get a second opinion from somebody that you trust. And when I say trust, I don't mean a family member or a friend in the industry because they may be our biggest fans, but they're not necessarily always going to give you unbiased and God's honest (laughs) feedback. So it is worth, and this is where, you know, getting an accountant to look over the figures, getting a solicitor to look over the contract, I didn't do any of that. Yeah, Getting somebody, you know, in this instance, it was a franchise organization. Businesses have associations that they're part of, like a governing body to keep them on the straight and narrow. Mm. Go talk to the association, yep. see what feedback they've had, what kind of complaints they've had, what kind of success stories they've had. Just ask more questions.
1: Mm. All right. Well, I've got the last question. Speaking of question, what's your number one goal for the next 12 months?
0: Oh, that's a good one. I've got lots of goals. I'd like to do a TEDx talk. I've got to pick a subject.
1: Mm -hmm. So it's
0: about finding that formula that will be interesting enough for my, because we all have stories and different facets of stories. It's about finding that one key piece of my story that is worth sharing
1: that's exciting and i think 12 months from now ladies and gentlemen let's cheer her on so that she does get to that goal which is exciting so pin in the map pin in the map for that boom well (laughs) listeners there you have it another story of loss to keep you winning my number one goal for the next 12 months is to help you my listeners reduce risk and increase return in your life To achieve this, I've created our community at myworstinvestmentever.com. I look forward to seeing you there. As we conclude, Wendy, I want to thank you again for coming on the show. And on behalf of ASTOTS Academy, I hereby award you alumni status for turning your worst investment ever into your best teaching moment. Do you have any parting words for the audience?
0: Thank you, Andrew. And listeners, just keep making conversations count.
1: And that's a wrap on another great story to help us create, grow, and protect our well. Fellow risk takers, this is your worst podcast host, Andrew Stott, saying, I'll see you on the upside.